you have the absolute birthright to be happy and to do whatever you can to give yourself that. That's your job, to make yourself deliriously happy. It's super fun to do it too. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. I'm your host, Laura Cameron Christine. You can call me LC for short. We do not have to be bound by our circumstances. We do not have to be bound by our past. We do not have to be bound by our beliefs or by our fears. And yet so many of us stay bound to situations that are not healthy for us because of these things. When I was going through my second divorce recently, I knew that I wanted to help other women in my position overcome these blocks to standing up for ourselves and really empowering ourselves from inside into situations that made life fun. Because truly, that is what life is for. It is to have fun. If you're not having fun, let's take a look at that. I also was looking for groups on Facebook and I came across a group called The Separation Club by Elizabeth Parsons. She has created an incredibly positive space for women who are considering separation, going through it, and for women who've been through it to add support to the lives of other women. So let's hear from Elizabeth how she helps women work through these tough decisions and how amazing it can be on the other side. I am case in point. What advice would you give women who are contemplating divorce right now? I really ask them to focus on what it is that they want out of life. It's a question that a lot of women, once they've been married for a while, haven't asked themselves if ever, or certainly not in a long time. So what do you really want? The other thing I suggest to them is that they really take a look at the roles they play in life, and I'm talking about things like a partner, a mother, a sister, a daughter, whatever, and that they look at how they want to show up in those roles and ask themselves if they are, are they living in alignment with how they want to show up in this world? And then the third thing I want to mention that I also talked to them about, and this is probably the one that's the hardest for them, is to understand that their happiness matters, that not everybody else's happiness comes ahead of them. And that's a tough one for them because they feel selfish. That is so true. And a lot of my listeners know, but of course, if you're new, welcome. I got divorced this year. When I was talking about this process with other women, I would hear so often that kind of thing. Like, I feel so bad for him, or he's a good person. He didn't do anything wrong or bad. And it is exactly what you said. We put other people before Mm -hmm. our own happiness. I just told a client the other day that he doesn't have to be a bad person for you to need to go. And if it just isn't working, and there is not there's not going to be enough change or he just can't be the person she needs him to be it's okay to go for both their sakes arguably yeah and that is a good argument do you want to talk more about the effect of actually being truthful (laughs) with yourself and how it actually affects positively both of you yeah actually i would love to talk about that it's something that is really hard to embrace at times but 
the reality is that when you are miserable in the situation, whether that is, you know, a work situation or what we're talking about here, which is, of course, a divorce situation, when you're miserable in something that impacts such a great part of your life and your day, that unhappiness impacts everyone around you, your children, your partner, everything and everyone in your life. By going through this and making the decision to leave for your own happiness so that you can live in alignment with your beliefs and your value system and in a way that makes sense to you and you can be happy and joyful in that experience, that ripples to everyone and everything in your life as well. And as much as women struggle with that, I'm being selfish and do I really have the right to disrupt the, you know, the family, my children, my partner, just so that I can be happy? Well, likely your unhappiness is affecting the other people in the house. And by getting happy, there's some initial turmoil. I'm not pretending that that doesn't happen. You know, I know. But once that has passed, the adjustments have been made, there is a real possibility and an opportunity for everyone to actually be much better off. Agreed 100%. A friend of mine called it mopping up the mess. There's going to be a mess when you leave and you're just going to have to mop it up, but it mops up. And something that I learned too, and I had to learn this, it was very, (laughs) it was a hard lesson, is that I'm not responsible for making the other person feel okay with my decision to leave. Yes, that is a really good point. I like that. That is very true. I think that's also something that people are looking for. And I imagine you were as well, like you didn't want to go until your partner understood why and potentially agreed with you. (gasps) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what is the likelihood of you going to your partner and saying, I'm unhappy because of XYZ, and I would like to go and explore being happy. You're okay with that, right? Oh, yeah, hon, no problem. (laughs) It's not going to happen. But that's okay. It is actually okay. And what I said to the lady I spoke to just the other day was that as long as you then proceed with respect and kindness and consideration, that's all you can do. And they will be okay. They will be okay. Everybody will be okay. Yeah, I think we take it upon ourselves a little too much. We're taught, though. We're taught that we're Mm -hmm. the glue and that we have to be the one that's in control of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Which we can't control. We can't. (laughs) And another thing that, and this is what I love about you, and this is why I really wanted to talk to you on this podcast, is because when you're going through this stuff, I know firsthand, it feels like you're the only one going through it. And that is simply not true. So you have a fairly large group on Facebook and it's positive for the most part. Mm -hmm. People come in there and yes, there's some venting because that's (laughs) kind of necessary. But then there are so many other people who who will come in with a positive light and a positive message and so much hope and encouragement. Without that, it's really hard to change. Absolutely. Thank you for noticing that. It's actually something I'm incredibly proud of because that was a goal of mine from the very beginning. So When I started the group in 2019, I mean, basically I invited my friends in, right? But I started to create a a culture in there that was positive and that it was to be supportive and resourceful. I'm going to say the first 200 women in there, I really got to know them because we were interacting constantly in the group. And then the group went nuts. There's now 7,000 in it. So, I mean, I can't monitor every post, but these first women, they taught the new women 
how we behave, for lack of a better word, in this group. Most of the posts are super positive. And what I really love is when the women share a win, like I just moved into my new house today, or I just bought my first new house, or they share things like I just barbecued for the first time alone because my husband always used to do that or something like that. So I love when they share wins as well. And they get so much celebration from the other others when they do that. So it's really beautiful. It is. It's so beautiful. And it's a healthy mix, I think, of Mm -hmm. those wins and the requests for help. Like, how do I go about finding a lawyer? How All those different things that come up when you're making this decision. And by the way, the group name is The Separation Club. If anyone wants, and I'll get the link to you later. But that is such an important part of growth community. It's so important. It really is. And when I went through this, which is now about 15 years ago, Facebook existed, but it was in its infancy, so to speak. There were no groups. And one of the things that I really experienced then was that, yeah, I had support. Like my family rallied around me and I had my girlfriends. and But I didn't have a group of women or any friends, really, who'd been through it. And there's a difference between the friends who are there because they love you and they want to help you and the women who get it. So you're not forever explaining why you feel the way you feel. And the thing is, you eventually feel you can't keep going back to these married friends to say some of the things that you're actually thinking and experiencing in the moment. Whereas I see the women come into this group and they can do that there. They can pop in and say, this happened tonight. And even if that thing was something where they didn't look great, like they might've made a choice or sent a text, they really shouldn't have, but they only get understanding and love when they come and do it in the group. And that's really, that was what I wanted to create. And that is what it is. And I'm so happy for them that they have it. They feel very safe there. I am too. And it's so inspiring because that's, that's a lot of what my mission is too for this podcast to say, look, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. We can detrain ourselves from the patriarchy conditioning and we can. And there are women who are ready for that, who are like, I'm not going to live this role that was assigned to me that drains me and I'm not alive. No. That's very true. And I love what you said about assigned roles. I heard that somewhere else recently. And I thought nobody, because I think what that person was, the way that they worded it was, where you you weren't asked for permission when you were given the role. Nobody asked if it was okay that you were given the role you were given necessarily. We just took it upon ourselves or we just accepted it and, and tried to run with it. There's no question that there is a movement for a deeper understanding of self and wanting to find joy in on their own without it having to be attached to someone else. And I love that that movement is happening. I'm going through my own journey of growth and spirituality and awakening, if you will. And in the beginning, I was actually really nervous to share it with my ladies because I was afraid they would think I was crazy or witchy or, you know, something So I am very cautiously been introducing it, but it's been one of my intentions this fall really to just be that person to them and they're embracing it. They're loving it. So why did I wait so long? (laughs) Ah, You waited for the perfect moment. It was all meant to be exactly as it is. (laughs) Let's get back a little bit to the contemplating of divorce or separation 
And some of the factors that you've seen complicate that decision. What are the biggest things that complicate? Because again, whatever we share, people will know, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. (laughs) Very true. So I should preface this part by letting everyone know that I'm someone who speaks very directly and honestly about how I feel about things. So no question of several of the big factors when they're going through this, they'll express a great deal of fear when they're contemplating fear around finances, fear of the unknown, fear of being lonely and never being with someone again, fear of hurting the children. And these are not in any specific order, by the way, just as I'm remembering them. I understand that fear, but I also believe that a lot of the, not that the fears aren't real, And of course, they're feeling those things, but they also allow them to justify staying. And that's the part when I say that to the woman I'm counseling or coaching, and I say that and she gets really quiet. And generally, they agree with me because as you're going through just accepting that you're not happy and that your partner is not the person for you, that's really hard just to accept. And then asking yourself if you're able to uproot this family. And then you can say to yourself, oh, we couldn't do it financially. I just don't know what I would do. It wouldn't work. I'm just not going to do it. It becomes a crutch. So fear is an emotion. It's not necessarily real unless there's a lion standing in front of you ready to jump on you. That is a legitimate, real fear. But in most cases, the lion is an emotion. It is a fear around something that has not happened, that there's no real proof that it's going to happen. It is a worst case scenario that you are worried about, that like I said, has not happened. So I always tell my women to go through the five questions. Let's say you fear finances. So I'll hear women saying things like, I'm just afraid I'm going to become homeless. Well, are you at the verge of being homeless now? Well, no, no, we own the house. Then you're not going to be homeless. So it's kind of like, so what is the worst thing that could happen? I'm going to become homeless. Well, how is that going to happen? How do you see that becoming a reality? When you start asking questions, as many as five on each subject that you're afraid of, you start to see that your fear is not fact-based and that it's not something that's actually going to happen. So it's removing those blocks. It brings them back to the fact that they're fundamentally unhappy and that the real reason they're making this decision is because they're not happy. And that's a tough thing for them to do. There's the fear of always being alone, but that's BS. I mean, let's face it. If you don't want to be alone, you don't have to be alone. (laughs) It is. So I'll say things to my clients like fears exist around beliefs, beliefs we've held our whole lives, beliefs that people have put into us, whatever. So I always say the same thing. Like, prove to me that that's true. Like, prove it to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I think it's true because of ABC. It's like, No, that's things you think could happen, but there's no proof. I want proof. Like, prove it to me. Like, prove it so that I will say, you're right. You will be alone for the rest of your life. (laughs) Or you will be on the street. So it's a little bit of humor, but it just kind of opens their eyes to the fact that what they might be telling themselves is the reason they're staying is probably not the real reason they're staying. Totally. And that cognitive dissonance of, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm sh- I should be happy in this. I think there's a lot of shooting <laughs> in this like I should be happy and then we look out and we see other people's relationships and we think he's not as bad as that person or that would be worse. And then we base our decision on it could be worse instead of am I happy? Really? It's so true. 
there there was a woman in the group actually who posted the other day that she'd been sitting with a girlfriend and I and she admitted that she had spent years lamenting to her girlfriends about that she wanted to leave. And her girlfriend, out of probably a little bit of frustration, but also love and kindness, said to her or asked her, what would it take for you to leave today? And she said, she admitted this to us or shared this with us in the group, he would have to hit me. And then she heard herself say it. And she's like, that's ridiculous. When you feel that the only thing that justifies you leaving is violence, the problem isn't your spouse anymore. The problem is your internal belief system and your self-worth or rather lack of. The fact that you don't think you're entitled to be happy, that you don't deserve to be happy. And therefore you shall stay and suffer and bring everybody into your suffering with you. It's such a tough hurdle to get them over. But once they get there, it's so free. And I really believe that when a woman stands up for herself, the universe stands up to lift her even higher every Mm -hmm. single time. It's true. And it might not look like it right away because, again, there's going to be a mess and you're going to have to mop up that mess. But after that mess is cleared, you are also cleared and you have freed up so much of your time and your energy and your love and everything to accept more in your life. Whatever it is, maybe you do want to be single. Maybe you don't. It's, I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to explain this thing, but it happens. It can be anything. Maybe the relationship has just expired, like literally has expired. It just has run its course. And yes, you are the cliche of you've grown apart. Okay, so you've grown apart. Then part and keep growing. Who decided that the two of you had to stay together and suffer through this. And then you're going to be sitting there in 20 years when the kids are not home anymore and thinking, why did I stay so long? That to me is the real crime, if you will, is to potentially then be sitting with some terrible regret down the road. Right. And I think also it doesn't matter what conditioned you into where you're at right now. We can talk about the patriarchy for days and days Hmm. and how we're conditioned to be people pleasers and codependent and all of that. Great. Okay. I was conditioned. So right now, I don't have to keep following that conditioning. I don't have to keep on that same track of that conditioning. I can actually just step aside and change. (laughs) It's just difficult to change, but it is so possible. A hundred percent. And I think what's really important is to find the people that think like you do. and. You can always find people who will convince you to stay and you can find people who will convince you to leave. I don't see anything wrong with choosing to find people who support your position in life. Go and find the support that you need to follow your dream. I couldn't tell you how often I've heard clients who come to me. So I'm not a therapist. I'm more of a guide. I call myself a guide because... But they come to me and they have been working with a therapist, but they find that their therapist is trying to encourage them to stay, which I just don't understand. Mm -hmm. And so they come to me because they want real information that's honest and to the point. They want to hear from someone. Here's how you leave. If that's what you want and it's okay, here's how you can do that. Here's how you can honor yourself and do it in a way that's kind and compassionate. You don't have to hate them. You don't have to hate the person you've been with. You can continue loving them and caring about them. You just can't be with them anymore. And that's okay. All those things that they need to hear, 
that they're not going to hear sometimes from their therapist or their religious leader or some of these places that they tend to go. And then they're just getting hammered with more guilt. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> and the guilt makes it almost impossible to leave. It really does. For those women who feel like they have to fix things or who think that they need to heal themselves more because then it will change the whole dynamic of the relationship, where do you start with them? Well, I would start by understanding what it is that they feel they need to heal and why. So the why part being, are they healing because they need to heal so that they can feel better? Or are they healing so that they can be a better wife or be a better partner? So it's about the other person. So that's usually the first thing I try to identify in that scenario is what is holding her back or what is making her feel like she has to stay? Is it about her or is it about him or the family or her partner? It could be a female or, you know, and the family. So I really try to bring it back to her because the only thing we have any control of in our lives is ourselves and our choices and the things that we're going to do about it. We might want our partner to be different, but unless they want to change, they're not going to. And that's very rare that people change who they are. In fact, we shouldn't really expect that. If we want to feel differently then we can make different choices for ourselves. We can choose to learn or grow or choose to see things differently, but that is a choice we make for ourselves. So I really try to bring her back to that place of understanding the the control and the power that she has in her own personal choices, but that they also only affect her. He might react to it or her partner might respond to it in a positive way, but that shouldn't be the motivation. The motivation has to be her own happiness and creating that happiness for herself. Yeah, I can tell you why I was trying to heal myself so much. And let me know if you hear this from other women. And this is hindsight now, of course, but I was doing a lot of inner work and dealing with my own emotions and regulating my nervous system in order to better put up with or make work for me this relationship in which I just we were not compatible. We weren't at all. I so get that. So I was trying to heal myself into compatibility. Yeah, I get that. You know, I actually bought a book when I was still married that was called something like how to be a bitch and why men love to be married to bitches or something like that. It was like, I actually thought I need to be a different person so that he'll love me more. And I thought Mm -hmm. I had to go that way. Because I had friends who were not nice to their partners, but their partners were way nicer to them than my ex was to me. Like, it's ridiculous thinking. But that's the thing. Again, I was trying to learn how to do something like you were to change his response to me. But that's not how it works. And we need to get away from thinking that it is our purpose in life to make their life easy and to make it our purpose to be incredibly happy And that by itself might actually be enough to make the people around you also incredibly happy. And if it doesn't, you're with the wrong people. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I believe it does. I believe that when, I mean, especially when a woman is in her pleasure and in her happy and in her joy, she gives more than ever to everybody, to the whole world. When we step out of our joy, we have nothing to give. 
And it's not our responsibility to give. It's just a natural byproduct of us putting ourselves first and being in joy. <laughs> like people receive from that. It's very true. And the only giving we do or the only result of the giving we do when we're not coming from our happy place, the byproduct is resentment. <laughs> and that's a huge part of codependency. Yep. And that whole like, I've done so much. I hear this a lot. I did everything. I did blah, blah, blah. The list is long of all the things that she did that the partner didn't do and on and on and on. She has kept track of her suffering and her sacrifice and of the ambivalence apparently from the other end. But see, even my question to that is, were you asked to do those things though mm -hmm. by anyone other than yourself? Mm -hmm. Who was really asking you to throw yourself on the ground and just be the mat that everybody walked all over? In most cases, unless you're in a very abusive relationship, in most cases, it is unfortunately a choice we make because we think that that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's attached to this belief that it is our job to do that. Yeah, I, I <laughs> definitely did that. I started making meals. I we at first we weren't really doing that. We were just cooking for ourselves and doing what we wanted to. But then of course he had high cholesterol and I said, Oh, I could help you with that. So eat what I make. And that happened. And then I helped him out with his coffees. He used Keurig and this is good. This is one thing I, I love about him. He cares about the earth. So he used reusable Keurig cups. He didn't throw them away every day. But it became my job then to clean out the little pods and put more coffee. And it's because I did it one time because he worked late one night and I said, I would love if someone did this for me. That would help me a lot. I'm going to do this for him. But then it became, oh, good, you're doing this now. And like slowly and surely, it just more and more and more came to me, to me, to me. And if I forgot to turn the coffee maker on, he would say something like, oh, you didn't turn it on. And I'm just like, seriously, it takes three seconds. And I don't know, stuff like that. Again, you were giving, you ended up giving from a place of, that that came from a place more of resentment eventually, that it became resentment. It became resentment. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, it, well, you didn't feel appreciated and it wasn't necessarily coming from the heart anymore. That that original give was from the heart. But it's it's an interesting dynamic. And I think that, I don't know, I, I'm remarried and I have done so much work around wanting this relationship to be different. And the one thing that I did without really having a ton of learning on it, it was intuitive to me, was that I knew that I had to be different. I had to make sure that I showed up as the person that I wanted to be in this marriage so that I could continue to get from him what I fell in love with, which is who he was when I mm -hmm. met him and still is. He is the same guy. I have not tried to change him. You know, sure, he drives me crazy sometimes. And apparently I do as well. <laughs> I don't know. So inconceivable. But <laughs> but it's funny you talk about the coffee. I make French press in the morning. And so I get up earlier. So I always, like, I'm just a very early riser. So I do make the coffee. And my silent ask, you know, kind of like you cleaning out the curry cup, my silent ask is that he cleans out the French pretzels ready for the next day. And so he, when he, every now and then, he's actually really good about it most of the time. But every now and then he'll get slack and he suddenly doesn't do it for a week. I just stop making coffee. <laughs> I don't say a word. Yeah. 
And he'll say, you didn't make any coffee. I'm like, yeah, the French press was dirty. Yeah. There you go. Bing, bang, boom. It was clean the next day. And I definitely did not have to continue <laughs> to do the coffees. I definitely didn't have to continue to do that. That was a choice. But I made that choice. I made the choice to do a lot of things. A lot of things that a grown man really doesn't need help with. It's very true. And I did read this summer very recently. We choose to become their mothers. And that is, again, a choice that we make. And they, you know, I am sure he didn't ask you. Just, he didn't come to you and say, can you please be the person who does all these 20 little things for me to make my day easier? If you hadn't done them, he would have done it for himself and he would not have cared. He appreciated oh. you doing them. He might have it's, done them. <laughs> I but think that's we, not well, my problem. And he might, well, so then there comes our control issue, though, because yeah, we want exactly. it done a certain way. So, again, that falls on us. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. very important to to not feel like we have to be there everything and control how they do things and not treat them like children, but like independent adults who will do it their own way. Yes. The big joke around our house was I, I used to be a personal trainer. His friends, whenever they went out for like a guy's night and he was eating nachos and having beer or something, they'd send me pictures of him doing it because they thought that I'd be upset that he was eating this unhealthy food. And in fact, when we got married, they blew up poster-sized pictures of him eating unhealthy foods that he'd eaten when he was out with the guys. I didn't care. It wasn't my place to direct what went into his mouth. Mm-hmm. But I think they were used to that. That was a woman's job somehow. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of us do it. And just reflecting on mm-hmm. that, I definitely absolutely <laughs> fall or fell into that. It needs to be done, so I'll do it. And I really learn, I hope, (laughs) I hope so much that I really learned. I don't have to do it. And if he doesn't do it, that doesn't mean I have to do it. It just means it doesn't get done. And that's it. It's actually that simple. (laughs) Right? It's so simple. and We make it so complex. We have seven children between us. I have four of my own and he has three and when we got married, we had six still living at home. So three of mine and his three, they were there full time. Gradually, my boys were older and they left. And when we got to the point where only his kids were living there and mine weren't, I had definitely done most of the cooking. And that, again, had been my choice. I didn't resent it. I It was fine. I was just better at it and could put together a meal for eight people every night quicker than he could. So I just did the most, most of it. But... You know, he had certainly done his share. It's not that he hadn't. And when my kids were gone, I was I, I did say to him, I don't want to eat kid-friendly food all the time anymore. I want to eat healthy. You know, I know your kids don't like my way of eating. That's fine. I'll make my own food. Well, so I just kind of stopped cooking. I just made my own food. Unless we were making a healthy meal together. And it took, I'm going to say, about two, three months. And his oldest daughter sat us down at dinner one day and she goes, what happened to our family dinners? Why don't we ever have a family meal anymore? I'm like, because I stopped making them. Yep. <laughs> but it it was the thing that I learned was that I don't have to get angry about it. I don't have to keep doing it. I don't have to be resentful. This doesn't have to be an issue between us. I let him know that I was going to stop. And I did. Like, it wasn't that I refused to cook anymore. It was just I am not responsible for the family meal. I will participate and help by all means, but I'm not responsible for it by myself. 
Oh, I love that. Standing in your Mm -hmm. power and in your truth. When we're truthful, that's really everything. And truth might hurt somebody at some point. But again, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to speak truthfully and then act in congruence with that truth. (laughs) That is such a good point. And, you know, we've talked a bit about resentment. And that's the thing, like when we don't tell people how we feel about the things that we're doing or not doing, so they don't know, and then we get resentful and angry at them for this thing that they don't know about, it's not helpful. Yeah, that is tough. And I did have the experience, I would express how I was feeling about doing these things. And I would be shut down and said, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Or it's not that big of a deal. Or it's just so small. Why are you feeling that way? Kind of that kind of thing. I think that's really normal. A very typical interaction when a woman, especially between a woman and a man, I think it's different when there's two women. But I think between a woman and a man, there's no question that that is a very typical response from a male partner. And it's going to sound like I'm doing an awful lot of defending of men. And that's not my point. It's just more, it's first of all, evidence that you're not well suited. You're not connecting on the same level. He's not going to be able to help you or to be there for you in the emotion that you're trying to express or in the type of communication that you're doing. Most likely, and this is the only reason I'm bringing this, his side up, so to speak, because women tend to say things like, it's abusive to talk like that, or he doesn't care, you know, all he cares about is himself, he just brushes it away. And yes, on some level, he is brushing it away. But it usually comes from a place that they're freaking out. They don't know how to handle emotions. So yes, they will say those things. And in a way, they mean them, I guess, because they want that to be the truth. They want it to be that you are making a mistake expressing that emotion, so they don't have to deal with it. It's really scary for them. But that aside, back to the woman sharing her feelings and expressing a need for something to change or that she is not feeling happy, it's imperative that it's heard. And if it's not heard and the person, first of all, isn't able to hear it, but also isn't able to say, I don't understand, can you tell me more? That would be okay. Then that again is one of these things this might not be the right person for you. This might not be the person who can go through this journey with you to you so you can get to this happy place with this person. And those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves when we're contemplating separation. And I know one of the big questions that my coach at the time, when I was going through it, asked me, which was huge for me in my decision, was, do you believe that he can be the kind of husband you want and need. And I knew he couldn't be. I just knew because I knew he wouldn't do the work and whatever. He'd had an affair, but that's what ended our marriage. But of course, our marriage wasn't good before the affair or that affair wouldn't have happened. So, you know, I knew that I couldn't fight for this marriage as it had been. It wasn't good enough. And that's where that question came from. Do you believe that he can be the kind of partner you want in life. And I knew he couldn't be. And that was my answer. Why should I stay with someone who can't ever be what I need? So simple. But it's so difficult for women. Yes. Because they, they immediately go to, but aren't, am, am I not just being selfish? Mm-hmm. He's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't have to be. You have a birthright to be happy. You were put on this earth, brought into this earth from a place of love, 
and you have the absolute birthright to be happy and to do whatever you can to give yourself that. That's your job, to make yourself deliriously happy. It's super fun to do it too. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much. I feel like that was the perfect way to end this because it was a total mic drop moment. (laughs) If you are interested in joining Elizabeth's group on Facebook, it is The Separation Club. I will link that in the show notes. Elizabeth, is there another way that people can get a hold of you or is that the best way? Well, the Facebook group is an amazing place to start. You can, of course, find me through my website, which is also theseparationclub.com. And I'm also The Separation Club on Instagram and everywhere. So Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to share something now. I'm freaking out. (laughs) I'm literally freaking out (laughs) because I just printed off an application for my new driver's license with my new name. And I did not change my name back to my maiden name, which is the typical standard thing. And I cannot tell you how many people I have told because I've called numerous different organizations or institutions or whatever to figure out how to put this whole name change thing through. And if you've ever done it, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Every single time, I am not kidding, every single time they they said, okay, bring your marriage certificate or your divorce certificate. I did not tell them that I got married or divorced. I said I changed my name. And I did get divorced, yes, but I didn't change my name just back to my maiden name, which is what you can do when you get divorced, at least in Hawaii and (laughs) Minnesota, as I know because I've done it there as well. I don't know if it's assumed because I have a female voice that I am only changing it because of these things, but anyways... I don't know why I'm nervous about it, but I guess the point is going through these changes when you are stepping into more of who you are can feel really unsettling and really scary. And you can feel really lost and alone. (laughs) So if that is something that you are working through, again, you're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. And there are so many communities out there including the inner circle for this podcast. The inner circle is going to become the premium membership with Pleasure Coaching with Elsie. That's me. But in this moment, when I'm recording this, it is called the inner circle. And I would invite you to join us. The women in the inner circle are so empowering, not only for themselves, but for the other women. Because as Elizabeth said, as Alia said, as I know Makia said it. I know Angela said it. So many of the women who've come on here have said how important it is to connect and gather with other women right now. It's almost like you get to, (laughs) I don't want to use the word bypass, but it's almost like you get to supercharge yourself through transformation when you gather with other women. If you do this alone, it it, it happens. Well, I haven't really experienced it totally alone because I've always found my tribe. So if you're looking for your tribe, I want you to know that you have found it. It is called the Balanced Heart Inner Circle right now. It's going to be the premium membership soon or something. I'm working on it. We're all works in progress. But I'm telling you, I've seen women recognize patterns that sabotage them, that make them not set boundaries. These pat, you know, these patterns that we go through, the self-doubt, the unworthiness, the I can't say no, that kind of thing. And with that awareness, 
they have been able to transform those patterns into claiming their power, claiming their worth, speaking up for themselves, and acting in congruence with what they truly value. Do you know what happens when you do that? If you aren't doing it right now, you, you see what happens when you don't do it. You're not fulfilled and you feel like you always have to reach out for that thing to get that thing in order to feel a certain way. But when you start, when you come home to yourself and when you are acting in congruence with your values, things come to you that match those values. So you no longer have to reach out and grasp out and try to find that thing <laughs> like yourself <laughs> because you are yourself. <laughs> you don't have to look for it anymore in relationships or in jobs or in escaping or whatever. And then all of a sudden your soul is speaking to you and you're listening and you're making decisions based on that alignment with your soul. And I don't know about you, but I have definitely experienced decision fatigue a lot. And the reason is this. When you have decision fatigue, it's usually because you are thinking way too much about other people, one, the future, uncertainty, all of these things. There's so much going on in our lives. It's so easy to overthink literally everything. But when you are home in yourself and when you've claimed your power and your pleasure, you're able to get through those darker times because they always will come and they always will go. And you're going to know that knowing comes when it comes and it will come when it's meant to come. So you don't have to reach and grasp because you will know exactly what you need to do in every moment. And if you don't know what to do, you do something that pleases you. I'll leave you with that. <laughs> if you don't know what to do, join the inner circle. Do anything that pleases you. Mm -hmm.